0: Welcome back to the Real Life Theology Podcast. We got a great episode for you today. Vance Eubanks discusses how in his ministry, he has led a ministry called Men's Encounter, a men's ministry that helps pour into and grow Christian men. He describes a men's event that his church does that is a life-impacting event. So maybe you and your church context have thought, we need to do more stuff with men. Maybe have a men's breakfast or a men's retreat each year. This podcast will give you some great tools and thoughts to move forward in discipling the men in your church?
1: A small community, kind of a bedroom community of uh, uh, Fayetteville there. Uh, Northwest Arkansas is kind of kind of famous a little bit just for the Walmart headquarters and all of that. Uh, so it's a very growing area. Um, love it there. Uh, I've not spent a lot of time up in this region and this is kind of neat for me to have a chance to connect with people and uh, see a whole nother group. Um, I... I've appreciated so far the messages that have been brought, and thought they've been very challenging. Uh, I uh, I think that uh, some of the some of the biggest, toughest, but some of the best days are out in front of us as a church. Would you agree with that? Yeah. And what you've heard from that already, I I appreciate Renew and the work that they're doing to help make sure we stay on track. When uh, yesterday uh, picked up my packet. And I found that they were giving out the book, The Master Plan of Evangelism. You guys, how many of you have actually read Master Plan of Evangelism before? Okay, okay, good. It's it. If you haven't read it, you need to read it. And uh, I had actually already brought my, my old copy of it right here, uh, and I have chewed this thing up. And what? Now, nobody can have this copy because I have Robert Coleman's signature uh, autographed actually in there. But I was thinking about when I was hearing some of the stuff that was being said there, I thought, man, this this book has meant so much for me about men's ministry and about discipleship and a plan for being able to do that. And when I was hearing some of the challenges that were given out there today, I was thinking about some of the stuff that was in here. So I'm going to read, just to get us started here, a couple of uh, excerpts out of Robert Coleman's Master Plan of Evangelism. And he walks through eight, eight parts of this, and one of them is consecration. That have got to be consecrated. He says this, We must learn this lesson again today. There can be no dilly-dallying. Do you love that word? No dilly-dallying around with the commands of Christ. We are engaged in warfare, the issues uh, of which are life and death. And every day that we are indifferent to our responsibilities is a day lost to the cause of Christ. If we have learned even the most elemental truth of discipleship, we must know that we are called to be servants of our Lord and obey His Word. It is not our duty to reason why He speaks as He does, only to carry out His orders. There's no place in the kingdom for a slacker. Tell us what you really think. For such an attitude only precludes any growth in grace and knowledge, but also destroys any usefulness on the world battlefield of evangelism. I love that. Man, there is a call. Again, I think that it's for us, the need is here for us to step up to the plate and especially for godly men. <coughs> godly men. Man, I'm talking to a group of men. We didn't let any ladies come in or at least they didn't sign up. I wouldn't let them come in, but hey, it's a call for godly men to step up to the plate and to, to quit dilly-dallying around with our lives. Man, there's a there's a kingdom focus and a laser focus that we're going to have to get. Now, that is that being said, let me read another section here. He talks about reproduction. You know, as he gets to the end of the book, he talks about reproduction. You know, uh, Dawson Trotman. anybody know who Dawson Trotman is? Man, the navigators start the navigators. He wrote a little book. Look it up online. Little bitty book. You can look it up. You can get the PDF of it. Doesn't cost anything. Called "Born to Reproduce." Born to Reproduce. When I was twenty-one years old, I was uh, my first full-time ministry, just out of Bible college. Uh, in Hot Springs, Arkansas, and uh, man, I read this little little pamphlet book of his called Born to Reproduce, and it just struck a chord in me that, oh my goodness, we, we have to reproduce. We, we have to keep carrying on this message. And he asked a simple question in that book, who's your man? Who's your man? Just one one question, who's your man? And it struck me, well, I, I'm doing church. What do you mean? I got a lot of men. I got a lot. And he said, no, no, who's your man? I mean, who is it? Who's the one that you're going after? And then from that point on, I was 21 years old. I said, you know what? I got to find somebody to start meeting with and start discipling, you know? I mean, there's more to it than just doing the preaching or church. And so I, I started meeting with three guys. I called them and said, hey, and I like, I'm an early morning riser, so everybody that meets with me, I make them come at six o'clock. And, uh, and started meeting with... Uh, uh, Bill and Tony and uh, Bill's brother uh, Russ uh, eventually wanted to come, but Bill's brother Russ was an alcoholic, and uh, uh, Russ had been having a having a little bit of a tough time. Russ ended up uh, <laughs> Russ ended up having a wreck and uh, drunk had a wreck, broke his leg, uh, and uh, lost his job. All this, and Bill said, "Do you think Russ could come?" And I go. Well, yeah, sure. And then Russ, I called him, hey, you want to come? Yeah. And he just he was kind of this kind of, I don't know, he wore his little glasses and long hair and kind of, yeah, I guess so. You'll have to come get me. I go, okay. Well he lived like fifteen miles out of town. And so to get there at six in the morning, you know, okay, get up, drive and get Russ and bring him back into town. And the beautiful thing on that, I got to baptize Rush, you know, with that, and he he his had leg in a cast and he goes, I don't care, get it wet. Baptize him, met with them for three years together, together. And years later, Rush is an elder at the church in Hot Springs, Arkansas, later. But he had to find your man. You had to find your man. And I would say, since I'm 21 years old, there has not been a season where I haven't met with, with other men. Make that intentional about I'm going to do something with other men. on a, on a And usually I'll have, it's, it's usually three more that I'm going to do that with. I think you need three. Usually it's a good chord there. But do something. What are you doing? Because here's what it says. Okay. And I don't know what page number it is in your book, if you want to look it up. But it's under the reproduction part. He says this, When we realize that evangelism is not done by something, but by someone. It is an expression of God's love, and God is a person. His nature being personal is only expressed through personality, first revealed fully in Christ, and now expressed through His Spirit in the lives of those yielded to Him. Committees may help to organize and direct it, and to that end, they certainly are needed. But the work itself is done by people reaching other people for Christ. That is why we must say with E.M. Bounds that men are God's method. Did you catch that? Men are God's method. Until we have such people imbued with His Spirit and committed to His plan, none of our methods will work. This is the new evangelism we need. It's not better methods, but better men and women who know their Redeemer from personal experience. Men and women who see His vision and feel His passion for the world. Men and women who are willing to be nothing so that He might be everything. Men and women who want, want only for Christ to be uh, produced his life in and through them, according to his own good pleasure. We need godly men. Give me an amen. amen. And that's what he's calling for. And I, I, I've just been captured by that. And, and God, for some reason in, in, my, in my life, um, just particularly has allowed me to have, have a work with uh, men uh, to be able to have so, some growth with that. What I'm going to talk to you today about, um, let, me, let me say a, a, a couple of things. One, back in 2010, uh, man, I was looking at our men's ministry and I'm going, man, what are we going to do here? You know, I've, we've had, we did men's fraternity, anybody done men's fraternity, that kind of stuff. I was back in the day, good stuff, man. We ran that, ran through that cycle. And then we have our Saturday men's breakfast, Saturday men's breakfast, man, that's good. We'd have beast feast. Anybody ever do beast feast? You know, I mean, I've eaten moose and rattlesnake. I've done all that. You know, get guys in, give away guns, give away. We're in Arkansas. We can do that. But, you know, we do all all those things. And, man, those are all just, those are good. Those are good for a hook, you know, a hook, hook. But they didn't lead anywhere. They never went anyplace after that. It was like, hey, fun, good guys got together, bump chest, that's good. But there was never anything very much past that. So I was kind of searching, what are we going to do, what are we going to do? And so... Um, I, uh, had a friend of mine, I was up in, up in Joplin, Missouri, uh, actually, uh, at the home of Matt Proctor, uh, Ozark Christian college, uh, president as trust. I'm a trustee. We're at, I sitting at a table and I'm talking to this other trustee who goes, who went, it was an elder Christ church or Anybody know that nice big church up there. Anyway, I said, Hey, I hear you guys got some great men stuff going. What do you know about it? He's an elder. He goes, I don't know. <laughs> he goes, call this guy named Adam Scooty and see what he's doing. He's on our staff, and he's a guy who heads that up. And so I call this guy named Adam Scooty, and I said, hey, I hear this thing you have with men. I want to learn more about men's ministry. Could you, could you tell me about it? He goes, come up here. We'll have coffee. And, and I go up there, and he starts telling me about this thing called men's encounter. And I said, okay, this is exciting. I want to do this. I want to do this. And he goes, no, Vance, you can't. I go, I can't? He goes, no, you have to come to men's encounter for Vance. I go. Well, what do you mean? I, 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 you know, I'm a preacher. I got. I need a men's ministry. Is what I need. I need. We need something where we can get men excited to. do it. I go. No, you can't do that. I go. Because you come for Vance, and I go. Okay. And so I came, and he said, "Now you can't bring like twenty guys with you." So there were five of us in 2010 that attended our first men's encounter with uh, the church, Christ Church of of Oronogo. and. And that began the journey for me of changing how I thought about how we do ministry with with men and and would be ministry in general and even change me completely. I'll come back to that here in just a minute. Let me put pause on that for just a second now. I think you're probably here because you've been in a similar place that I've been. Would that be Correct. And I would even just guess when this thing kind of filled up, I kind of thought maybe five guys would show up, you know, this thing kind of filled up. It just made me think, man, these guys understand that we're in a culture right now where we need to do something with our men and we need to get on it right away. The, the men are, are in, in a crisis. I mean, defining manhood, what that is. Men who are battling with mental health issues that are just as real inside the church as anywhere else. You know, men who, who don't have genuine friendships and they're trying to figure out how to, how to find mentors. And, and you understand. I, I don't know that I need to, you know, try to convince you that there's a, a crisis for, for men. It's real. And that the church has to grab a hold of something here. To help men get get, get there. And it's got to be something different than just a men's breakfast. And I'm not against men's breakfast, man. Sausage, we, we have the best sausage gravy in Arkansas. I love it. And it's great. But don't, don't, don't hear anything negative on that, okay? But but it's gotta be gotta be more than that. And so what I'm gonna talk to you about today isn't men's ministry so much as I wanna talk to you about discipleship. Because when I look at Jesus, honestly, I don't think Jesus had a men's ministry. Jesus had a discipleship ministry. And so it wasn't just a little program over here. It was about making disciples. And that was His real goal is to, I've got to make disciples. Jesus was really about transforming men Building them into disciples who would make disciples, which is what we're talking about. The whole thing we're talking about with Renew and what, what has to happen inside of the body of Christ is we can't just try to build church. We need to make disciples. You know, I heard a guy say to me, "This Adam Scudie actually, the guy that helped me, first started me on this journey as a mentor for me. said, you know what? He says, you can have church without making disciples. But if you make disciples, you will have church. And I I just know I grew up in an era of church growth. Um I, I got my buddy Jeff Kuhn right here, man. We went to Bible college together from Arkansas, another Arkansas boy right there. But we grew up in an era of John Maxwell, and we grew up in an era of, of the structure and all of that to build, 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 build big church. But I'm not sure that I learned about discipleship. Now I think I was doing some back in the day when. When I, when I started going, i got to meet with men, i got to meet with men, I've got to do that. I, I think I understood some of that, but I, I don't know that I had it really in my head about what needed to happen. Because I think there's a difference. See, when you do all the, just the little events, to me, there's a difference between catering to men and challenging men. And a lot of the church growth and all this kind of stuff that we do to pull people in is a little bit of catering. More than it is challenging. And I just believe that men are sitting there waiting right now. I think we've got a generation coming up going, give me something more. Man, I've I've won at every video game I could possibly win at, or I've, you know, I've watched every sport I could possibly watch. And what what there's gotta be something more? And I believe that there are men who are ready for a challenge. And there need to be, and there's got to be people who are ready to be able to to do that. And so, so with that, again, I'm afraid that when you leave here today, I want you to know, I'm not going to hand you a package and go, okay, go do this exactly, uh, because that's, I, I, it's, I just don't have a package to hand you. I can, I'm going to describe something to you. And then I'm going to give you an invitation. And if all of you take me up, I'm going to be a little bit scared. But I'm going to give that to you. So, so I, I want to be sure that you know that so that you're not, not uh, disappointed here when, uh, when, when we get finished with all of that. Okay, let me, let me go, go back to, to uh, uh, 20, 2010 there for just a minute. Uh, I went for myself to uh, that first men's encounter. And God started doing a work inside of me to be able to help me understand a process for being able to help men move from an experience with Jesus to an encounter with Jesus. Let me give you a little bit of what I would consider maybe a biblical example of that. The Apostle Peter. If you look in uh, uh, John uh, chapter. Chapter One. I think it's kind of interesting the progression of uh, of of Simon Peter in his relationship with Jesus Christ, and uh, we can all relate to Peter, can't we? I mean, we most of us can. I mean, we we just know he's kind of a bonehead at times, was not he? I mean, he had his highs and had his lows, and uh, that kind of reminds me like Steve Steve Brown, uh, the preacher. You know, Uh, he uh, he he said he had a lady say to him one time, "I like you." You know, all the other preachers we've had uh admitted that they were sinners but you're the first one that I actually believed. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, hey, I know I know I'm in a room full of sinners right here and like the apostle Paul chief of sinners but I'll go back to what but that's who God chose to use. To take us and so he takes a bonehead like Peter and uses him. In John 1, you have his brother Andrew who who meets Jesus? And and then it's it's real interesting. He Andrew uh, in, in chapter one, verse 40 says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. I've underlined that. And he brought him to Jesus. That that Peter's Introduction to Jesus was by an invitation of another man. Peter's introduction to Jesus was by an invitation from another man. It happened to be his brother. But I wanna, I'm going to come back to that here in just a minute. But at that point in time, and and, and so, so Jesus looks at him and, and says, You're Simon, son of John, you'll be called Cephas, which translates as Peter, rock, you know, little rock. You know how that is. What, that, what that's talking about there. But we don't have a lot more right then. But it seems like right at that point that Peter is kind of this guy who's had an experience with Jesus, a little bit of a seeker. I mean, there are a few other events that happen in there. Even Hill's his mother-in-law. We assume Peter was happy about that. But uh, the, the, he has some experiences with Jesus up to this point. But the life hasn't dramatically changed yet. But go over to Luke chapter 5. In Luke chapter 5, you got Jesus there at the uh, Sea of Galilee, people crowding all around Him, listening to Him speak. Uh, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He gets into one of the boats, one belonging to Peter, Simon Peter, Simon at that time. He gets into his boat and says, hey, can I use this? And he gets out there and he starts teaching. And he gets done teaching. And all the time while he's teaching, Peter... Uh, uh, they're they're over there getting putting their nets away. I mean, they fold it all up, everything. they fished all night long is what, what he tells them, and they've got it all cleaned up. You know how it is. You go fishing, you get done, you gotta pack everything back up, and especially commercial like they were doing. They had the big nets, they got it all folded up, put it away, take care of. And Jesus looks over at Peter after he gets done talking and says, Hey, why don't you put out a little deeper in the water here and unfold those nets and let's try it again? Peter I love this response because you you can feel this with Peter. (sighs) Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Can you feel that? Like, oh my goodness, really? You want... (sighs) Listen to this next line though. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. But because you say so, Man, there's a phrase I'm trying to get my head around. Trying to walk out in my life. Trying to to be obedient. I mean, everything you've heard already, even this morning. Just these guys, the challenges of like Sidonka and what he, the challenge you brought there. We're going to have to uh, adopt a mentality of not bec- well because I feel like it, but because you say so. Because you say so. So Peter took that little step <laughs> right there because you say, so I let down the nets. And, and, and you, you know the story when, when, he, when he's done it, go out and a huge, huge catch of fish more than I ever caught before, get the other boat, put so many fish in the boat, the boat start to sink. And, 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 and then Peter comes there and, and when all this happens, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they would taken. And then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. I call that an encounter. Uh, I, he didn't just experience Jesus anymore. He had an encounter with Jesus. I mean, Jesus became very real. I mean, the the, the point of that is going, You are... And then, then, then Peter. Now, now you know there, you know more of his life, though. You guys, I'm talking. I know wow. the guys. You guys know these 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 stories. You know about Peter because man, you know, Peter he goes on and he does some great things. You know, in John six, when everybody else was leaving, Lord, whom shall we go? So he's he, great there. But then, then uh, he's walking on water. But then he, you know, sinking him because he's losing faith. You know, he has highs, he has lows. But here's the thing, I think, kind of tied to this overall theme of what's happening here, I see in Peter. Some resiliency. He had his highs and he had his lows, but he hung in there. He was resilient. I just try to think, you know, what does resilience mean? Resilience to me is like you get the beach ball and you get the kids. Well, for me, the grandkids out in the pool, you know, and you got the beach ball and you try to say, Hey, let's hold it underwater, and you hold it, but when you let go, what happens? <clears throat> Comes back up. To me, resiliency is ability to bounce back. And I think the reality is, as Christian men, we're going to take a lot of hits. It's already been said this morning, we're going to take a lot of hits. To be resilient, resilient is we're going to bounce back. And you've got Simon Peter here, who I think was resilient because he took a lot of hits. Some of them were brought on him. A lot of them he brought on himself. But he kept coming back. And it's messy. Messy. If you're going to be working with men and you're going to be helping them to grow as disciples of Jesus Christ, man, I wish I could tell you they're all just going to line up and say, hey, we started a class next, you know, in September, jump in that 13 week class and learn everything you needed about Jesus and you'll be obedient all the way. You know, it doesn't happen that way at our church, you know. I can't get there, and man, and then he he took off, and he's over here messing with things he shouldn't mess with, and he's doing this, and and then they go in the ditch. you got to get them out of the ditch, and you bring them back. It's messy, messy. If you're going to decide you're going to help people walk with Jesus, it's just going to be messy. Accept that. And for Peter, it was messy discipleship, if you would, on how all of that How how all of that worked there. Now, with that, let me move on. So now I'm going to go back. Let me go back. Because Peter's kind of my example there that I want to come back to. Let me go back to to 2010. 2010, um, myself and four other guys from our church attended uh, Men's Encounter uh, with the Christ Church of Oronogo. We went to Camp Barnabas up in Missouri. And uh, uh, that... Encounter for me shifted something inside of me to understand. First of all, the big theme of encounter is freedom—my freedom in Christ, Galatians five one—and living not out of out of religion uh, or works, but living out of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, giving me the freedom. And that's the big theme of what we want to—we'll talk about with men's encounter. What is men's encounter? It's a weekend that we get away. You start on a Friday night and it goes all the way till Sunday afternoon. It lasts that entire weekend. We do that. Um, we do two men's encounters a year. We do one in February and one in August. Um, when it starts on, on Friday evening, I mean, we, we get the guys at our church and we're going to, we're at the very beginning. There's a lot of behind the scenes work and there are things that happen for encounter. I can't tell you about because I want you, I would want you to experience it for yourself. So I'm going to give you kind of some big picture stuff there. Um, we uh, cover 14 areas of a man's life. And 14 areas, uh, we're going to do four things repeatedly with that. We're going to have worship. We're going to have a testimony. We're going to have a teaching. And we're going to give a reflection time. 14 areas. It starts on Friday night with repentance. And there's a pattern to this. And I've watched it. I mean, again, I've, I've done like 25 encounters and I've watched it happen over and over again. And there's a pattern to it. You start with repentance and you get guys to understand I got junk in my life. And so we start out there. Um, we move to Saturday morning, free from the past. We help men understand. And there's a moment that happens on Saturday morning where I have watched God work over and over again for men to understand for the first time that I can be free from the guilt of my sin through the cross of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? amen. Don't you want men to know that? And that, that happens there. Then you move to forgiving others because unforgiveness in your own life is what, what drives people to so much of their, their bad behavior in their life is resentment and pain from unforgiveness. So we deal with forgiving others. Then we're going to talk about making Christ the center of your life. Then we're going to talk about true worth. We're going to go into purity. We're going to talk about financial freedom. We're going to talk about spiritual warfare. In the evening on Saturday, we're going to, going to emphasize freedom, what it means for us to have our freedom in Christ. We get up on Sunday morning, we're going to talk about a godly man. Then we're going to deal with marriage and singleness. And then we're going to talk about fathers and children. And we'll end out talking about being fishers of men. And then the very last thing is we talk about the person of the Holy Spirit. It's going to be the power behind doing everything that we have there. Now, when I say all that, you go, man, 14 areas. Where do you get the speakers for that? All of the speakers for encounter, all the testimonies and all the teachings are done by men who have gone to encounter before. We bring in no paid speakers. There are no big name speakers. It's not a retreat like that where you're publicizing it out there. Look who's coming and got them coming in and we're paying. And no, it's all the people have gone. When you go to encounter for the first time, you are an attendee is what we call it. And you'll have a white, white badge that you'll wear. Any time after the first time that you go to encounter, you are a server every time after that. And you get a yellow badge. And... You, you 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 take that on as an identity that I'm a server, and so you invited somebody to come, and you are serving them. We don't market men's encounter. How many of you? Have, I know a few like Lynn's been to encounter. Have you ever heard of men's encounter, Any of you guys? Okay, because like if you're up in like Lebanon, Missouri area and that kind of stuff, it's it's really grown. The reason you don't hear about it is. It's not marketed. I mean, this is not like and I, Promise Keepers had a spot in there, but it's not like that where you had to have a big organization to to run and you had to you know hey you send us money we got to pay for her, and we got to rent out big stadiums and we got to do all that hey and it's all got its place don't hear negative on that but I'm just saying in, Encounter isn't like that Encounter is you came because Andrew invited. Peter, to come and meet Jesus. And I really only want you there by invitation. And I'm giving my invitation to 50 guys here, but Lynn Cook's been. He's right over here. He'll help. Lynn, you'll help me serve him, won't you? Okay. <laughs> that that you come by invitation. And there's something different about this. Because it to me, it's this discipleship movement that's taking place. Because if I invite you to come, and my friend Jeff comes, and and Jeff is there over the weekend. I'm serving him all weekend long. And there are parts to that whole serving again. I'm not going to tell you all about it because I don't want to ruin it for Jeff. But there's something different about this ordinary man sitting in church, sits in church most of the time, biggest job he has. Why oh, I'm a greeter. I pass out bulletins. That's my job. What do you do at church? I pass out bulletins. Hey, and we need people to do that. Don't get me wrong again. But, hey, all of a sudden, dude, i am got... I've just taken him. I've moved him from the back of the line to the front line. You're at the front line, and hey, and he brought he brought his brother in law, or he brought his friend that he works with. He brought them here, and and this guy's got some junk in his life, and he's unpacking that over the weekend. And I'm right, there, you're right there with him. I go, I need to go get the preacher. I go, no man, you got it. <laughs> why, don't, why don't you go pray with him? Go put your hands on him. He's up there kneeling down praying. He's doing this stuff. You mean me? Really? Yeah, you're a disciple of Jesus, aren't you? Go. And moves them to the front line. And so we, we work out the weekend. Now, hey, I, how many preachers do we have in the room here? You know the hardest people I ever get to come to encounter? Preachers. I can't be gone on Sunday. On Sunday morning. I don't hey, man. It's just, I'm, so I'm a little bit of chastising us preacher guys. We, we got to get serious about it. being disciple makers ourselves. Like I said, I, I can't, I know, I know there's a lot to run to run the show of church, manage all that. We, our church is about 800. I mean, there's a lot to manage. We've got 12 people on staff, and I've got a lot to manage there. But I can tell you what, for me, the biggest thrill I get and where I see real growth in my own life, is when I'm sitting there with this guy doing it. That's when it really, really happens in there. Okay, so so you have an encounter, you have the weekend, you finish it, you follow it up with seven weeks of post-encounter. And so if I invited Jeff to come, and this is messy, and it doesn't work out as nice and neat as I'm getting ready to say it, okay? But... I want to go walk through seven weeks of post-encounter with my buddy that I brought. You think things don't start to happen? And I'm going to tell you, what happens over the weekend of encounter is so raw and so real that what we've discovered over the 13 years I've been doing this, what we've discovered is that it's almost like being in battle where you connect and relationships that would take you months, or even years to be able to build all of a sudden because it's so real. And then you start sitting down with that guy walking through post encounter and he starts going, Hey dude, I've been watching pornography and I can't quit this. And my wife has caught me like three times and you're going, huh? And she's ready to leave me. But I came home and told her I'm all different. And she's going, what happened to you? We try to always say at the end of encounter, under promise, over deliver. But then But then you're the guy working with that guy. Again, moved up there to the front line. And it's messy. And and he's going to do great for the first three or four weeks after encounter. (laughs) And then you got to be calling him. Where are you? I'm missing you. And I start moving back. We try to accomplish, and I stole this, okay, out of uh, real life discipleship right here. Okay. You guys familiar with that? You guys know all that stuff. I kind of modified this a little bit for what we want to see happen after encounter, that, that every guy needs to have new truth, new truth. They have to have new habits. They, they've got to have new friendships, and they've got to have a new purpose. If they don't, where are they going to go back to? Truth, not truth, but the old way of thinking. They don't get a new way of thinking. They go hang out with the same people. You know that they've hung out with before. They're going to be pulled back into that. Man, they they, they've got to start some new habits. They got to be at church. Show up at church. You got to start serving. Purpose. You got to have purpose. You got to do that. I had on that first men's encounter I I went to back in 2010. One of the guys went went with was 28 year old alcoholic, and just was coming off of that. And I'll never forget. He said, "I just had to change one thing." To be different. Everything. <laughs> and he said he said I had to have new uh, new new playmates, new playgrounds, and new playthings. And and I kind of always relate that to when you come back, if you don't help a man start developing new friendships that are gonna help move in the right direction, new truth, getting in the word of God, getting the word of God in there, new habits. You know, I'm, I'm going to be at church. I'm going to. I'm going to be at a men's group. I'm going to do. Then, then, you're, you're going to lose them, and you got to give them a purpose. But the purpose, okay, let me go back to that part. Purpose is, after you've gone six months later, we got another men's encounter coming up. They've had an experience, and, and you know what? they go hey hey man you know what my my buddy at work or man my friend from high school or my brother-in-law or my dad you're going oh man he's got to come to this and he just became an Andrew inviting to Peter to be able to come I don't have to market it it doubles itself now at this point from our encounter like we have we had 240 at the last one um and we have groups coming from different areas that we host it and come from different areas. Um, uh, but out of ours, uh, it has already it has spun off. There's there's four others that are going now where guys, groups are doing their own encounters, uh Farmington, Rogers, um, Hot Springs, and then there's one also, Texoma, we're calling it down in Durant, Oklahoma. And uh, and those guys you know, they make long trips to get up here every time. And they, but there's a pattern to it then in a process every six months and the guys once you come it it's predictable now i'm not saying it's predictable in the sense that we control the holy spirit at all the holy spirit does his work because i will tip my hand a little bit here okay to tell you before encounter ever happens all of the servers will spend three days in fasting and prayer uh, we We have a lot of behind the scenes work that we're doing to prepare for that weekend while that weekend's going on during the time that all of the testimonies and teachings are going we have a whole crew back there back in the back praying during that time. It is so bathed in prayer and fasting Holy Spirit is at work and all that but what I say about it's 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 a reproducible I mean this you know this thing, Isn't that what they talk about doing? To me, this is men's encounter is a little bit of real life discipleship model because they talk about you got to have a vehicle, you gotta have a relational environment, you know, you gotta gotta have an intentional leader, uh, and you gotta have a plan. You gotta have all those things in place. Well, that's what this is. It's that kind of a reproducible. Every six months, come back, invite your friend. Come back, invite your friend. Right. And when they come, you get to you get to sit with them and watch God do transformative work in their life, and you're you're front I'm in front row right there seeing it happen, and then you get to get to grow grow with them, and I could tell you, literally, hundreds of stories, hundreds of stories, of what God has done in this this particular process of how all that happens. Let me give you another picture to help you understand what's about. For for me, when when you put together a puzzle, what do you normally do? Put together a puzzle. Frame. Well, frame frame it, get it all framed up there, right? And then you're going to fill the inside out. Think of encounter as just the opposite of that, because a lot of times I think what we do is we grab grab men, pull them in, and go, "Let me give you a lot of information. Let me give you the information. Let, let's do all the framework here." But we haven't reached their heart. Encounter is not heavy on all the information. If you come expecting that you're going to learn everything about all those 14 areas, you're not. Uh, It's kind of sloppy, to be honest with you, uh, because we grab just ordinary guys and say, hey, you're going to take a teach this, and we're going to give them direction, but it's it's kind of sloppy. Uh, But what happens is encounter reaches the heart first. Post-encounter, school discipleship, Puts the frame around it. it. Makes sense? Because you can give all kinds of information to guys, but if you haven't captured their heart yet for Jesus, am I, am I right? I've been there. I've done it. I mean, I've watched those guys. I see those guys in my church every Sunday. I, every Sunday, see those guys in our church that have had an experience with Jesus you have any guys in your church set like this? What you got? Wife made me come here. Check. Done. You know, I when I was a kid, I made a decision for Jesus at church camp, but you know, he doesn't really have any next thing. And it it moves them. And we we talk about by the by Saturday afternoon, the guys that showed up Friday night with the arms crossed, oh, the guys up here. Down. And And I've just watched it happen over and over again, so we go for the heart heart first to be able to make that happen um, that's a It's this reproducible process that we've worked now over and over again, and I've just watched it watched it make make a difference in in real lives in real way. This was shown to me. Early on when I started with Men's Encounter, and maybe you've seen this before, uh, uh, it comes out of a a book uh, called Building a Discipling Culture, and this made so much sense to me about what we were doing that that I just kind of keep this kind of back here all the time, thinking about it, okay? I want you to notice these quadrants, high invitation, low invitation, high challenge, low challenge, okay? And so... You got a quadrant here. And I have a few sheets, handouts that have somebody, you want those. Here's what a lot of seeker church high invitation, low challenge, consumer culture. Just, which when I was talking about catering to men or challenging men, we cater to make it easy, make it easy, make it easy, don't make it hard for people. And, and I get that, I get it. But what you win them with is what you got to keep winning them to. Win that. Okay, okay, low challenge, low invitation. We got a lot of churches dying. Dying churches. In the state of Arkansas, man, we got dying churches all around. Just watch them. Because nobody nobody cares, no challenge, no invitation. They become apathetic there on it. Over here, you have the high challenge, low invitation. And this is this discouraged culture. Here's, here's what I call that. That's when the church staff does all the work. I mean, you may have church going and doing great. The church staff is stressed out doing all the work, and we and we would like for you to be involved. But kids, don't try this at home. You can't do this. You can't. You, oh, ministry. Oh, you can't do this. It's not for you. So it's it's a high challenge. But we're not inviting you in. You get get what I'm saying with that. Here's here's where we're trying to be: high invitation, high challenge. I want to challenge and invite to pull pull men in to. The front lines of ministry, instead of sitting sitting in the in the chair in the pew, uh, we we are calling men higher to that. I want that to be the quadrant that we live in there. And I could try to unpack that a long ways, but I, I need to leave time here. Uh, we're supposed to go an hour for for questions uh, or comments on that. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it down just a little bit here. I I do get excited about it. I just pour myself into it over and over again. Every six months, we start building up to it again. And I, just interestingly enough, I mean, even this morning I had a had a gentleman who just sent me a text said, man, you can't believe how my life is different because of the ministry. Doesn't go to our church; goes to a, a, a church up in uh, another community. But he's worked through Men's Encounter, and he's become one of the leaders. He just sent me a text just randomly, and I got another one the day before. Hey, you don't, you can't understand what this has done for me. Questions? Oh yeah, no, 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 no. You got to commit to the weekend, and you you commit to the weekend. As a matter of fact, we load you on a bus. You don't take your own car. You, you Don't leave. We've had people leave, and we're not you know we're not cultists like that where we put you in. And and we do say, man, put your phone up. You know, put your phone up. Biggest distraction keeping us from spiritual maturity in Christ is right there. Right there. Put your phone up. Don't take pictures. Again, what happens at that encounter stays that encounter. That way, the men who get up and speak can be very vulnerable and very genuine. This isn't posted on Facebook. You know, it's not out there on it. Lynn, did you say? We charge $100. Money back guarantee. Got a Got a guy, one of our guys says... If you, I'll, I'll promise you, I'll give you your $100 back. Now, that, that, that's going to go up a little bit. Inflation, dang it. But, uh, 100 bucks, we pay, you got all your meals, all your lodging, all that taken care of. I know the group down in Texoma that's doing theirs, they had to do 150 a little bit more, but we make sure everybody goes. I mean, by the, at, during the weekend, we take up an offering to help cover for other guys to be able to come. And, uh, I, we have no trouble scholarshiping and making sure everybody can get there. Yes, sir. We're a church camp uh, over in Silent Springs, Arkansas. And we do, like, we do like to have a place where we have a big meeting area and cabins where we can have anywhere from 10 to 12 guys in a cabin. And there's some experiences at the cabin level where you connect in there together. And so it's a church camp is the venue we're usually using. From what I've investigated on it, South America, started in South America, okay? And in South America, they, they kind of put this rhythm together, this pattern of this, went up to California, and my friend Adam Scooty, who was in California, came to Christ at an encounter, decided to go to Ozark Christian College in Joplin, Missouri, came out there, finished that, went to work at uh, Christ Church Orinoco doing men's discipleship ministry, called his buddies in California. Hey, could a couple of you guys come out? They paid their own way, came out, helped him put on the first encounter back, I don't know, 2007, 2008, something like that, and started there. And then, it again, if you go up and you can look online, there are like a group in Lebanon, Missouri, that has kind of formalized this a little more, and they're doing encounters, and, and there are women's encounters also, but they've kind of formalized it. I tend to kind of keep it at local, again, kind of under the radar with that. Did I answer that question? <laughs> that's, that's, that's great. That's a great question. Yeah, we had uh, uh, 17 guys the first time we did it. And uh, that five went, and I'll take it back. It was 30, 34. We had 17 servers, 17 attendees. We kept going back with Christchurch, Oronogo. We'd go back with theirs. I came back, brought some guys back, went back. We did it twice, and then we said, let's do our own. Guys from OrnoGo came down as servers and helped us put it on. We're doing the same. This weekend, actually, I don't get to be there, but this group in in Durant, Oklahoma, this is their first one, we got... We got some of our guys going down there, and we've helped help them to get this launched on their own they're gonna have a hundred guys, which is really kind of big for the first one, but we had thirty four on our first one it usually ends up being about half and half yeah and um, I, and the, the reality is we've we've tried to go we've tried to say – Early on, we're going, well, if you didn't invite somebody, you can't come back as a server. But here's the reality. Even though (sighs) they came to encounter, they had six months of working hard, they're not fully grown yet, and they still need more. And sometimes going back is a jump start in your spiritual walk. And it is for me every time I go. Because every testimony and every teaching, it's different every time you go. Because you got a new guy gives up and gives a testimony. You don't have the same guy's giving it. It's different every time, uh, because you got a new story to tell from a guy from six months ago that said, "Look what God did in my life." Yes, sir. I would say you probably need to make two two trips. You gotta come. I don't I my experience has been there's a lot of machinery behind it and that you come, experience it for yourself. Don't experience it for I gotta take this back. And I want you to take it back, please. But you got it's gotta capture your heart. The only reason it works is because it captured you. You know what I mean? You you won't have the energy to do this. It takes a lot of work. when we do 240 guys and they come and bring all their messes and everything on there, it's a lot of work to organize that and put it all together. You want, if, it, you, if it doesn't capture you, so you bring it come back second time, serve some guys and watch what it means to serve, not just to be you, you can't know what it means to serve until you come back the second time. then you got to serve the guys then Then you probably, even the third time you come, then you do some more. And I wish I had an answer on whether there were some up here in this region or not there. We have a, a group down in Little Rock, Nehemiah House. You know that down there, Lynn? This group that now started coming up here with us. And many of the guys are uh, recovering addicts and and have just... And, um, man, they come up and, and we just embrace them. And, man, they've just... It's been this big jump for them to be able to be a part of it. And they, they all live in the same place. It's really been cool to watch how God has used that. One of our guys... He, we started usually what we used to do is we would say, "Hey, you accepted Christ when we get back to the church we're going you're gonna be, get baptized but one of my guys he said, "Hey man, I've got this tank I'm going to carry with me in the back of my truck, and we're gonna stick that thing out there and if there's some of these guys and especially some of these guys from Nehemiah house who that becomes their family, they're ready right there, but we have we'll have you know twenty already baptisms at the end of an encounter.
0: We so appreciate you joining the Real Life Theology podcast hosted by Renew.org again today. We just invite you to grab your tickets to the 2024 National Gathering in Indianapolis if you haven't done so yet. It's going to be a great time with really good speakers and a lot of great content, just like you've heard today. So we just invite you to grab your tickets today, and we'd love to see you there.